Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, December 17. As you wash your body daily, so also before going to bed in the evening, cleanse your heart of all impure desires and attachments, free your mind of wrong thoughts, and offer yourself into the clear stream of divine bliss. Uh, this is Swamiji's way of suggesting that we meditate before we go to sleep at night, which is another way of saying it. It's a very, um, our subconscious mind is very receptive just before we go to sleep. And our subconscious mind is like the habitual pattern, our thinking pattern, our acting pattern, our feeling pattern. And just before we fall asleep and just after, immediately after we wake up in the morning, that we're we're much uh, the the subconscious mind is much more open than it is once we get established in our day and start working with everyday realities and the, the way things are happening all around us. So the thoughts that we go to bed with the, the 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 vibration of energy that we go to bed with, it's a very powerful way to literally the words are reprogram the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind is not an independent thinker. The subconscious will rearrange everything that you've already given it, sometimes into ways we've never thought about before. But the subconscious mind is not, uh, is not creative in the sense that it, it cannot have a perception that is not had before. Um, the superconscious is the source of creative, of new ideas. So what that means is, in practical terms, and I know there's lots of nuances to that, but in practical terms, that what, what that means is that the subconscious mind is a little bit like a computer that you program. Um, I'm not very technically minded, and of course computers have gotten easier and easier to use since the first one came into my life so many decades ago. But I still have the feeling sometime when my computer misbehaves, that has a malicious will of its own, and that it's actually trying very hard to sabotage whatever it is that I'm doing. I mean, I've noticed it for those of you who are seamstresses, that the bobbin always runs out about two inches before the project is finished. Invariably, you're almost finished, and then two inches before you're finished, the bobbin runs out. I mean, it could have lasted two more inches, but it never does. It always stops just before you're finished, like it has a malicious will of its own. But it doesn't. It's a, it's a mechanical object. The computer is more subtle, but it, it doesn't have a will to, to thwart you. It merely operates according to how you've programmed it. And even if you don't understand it, there is going to be an objective consistency to it. Well, our subconscious mind is really very much the same way. Whatever, whatever um, dominant attitude we feed into it is the dominant attitude it will feed back to us. And the expression that I've heard many times the programmers use, I live in Silicon Valley after all, garbage in, garbage out. That's how they say it. If the program is flawed, the result will be flawed. So a great many of us find ourselves, we're constantly being influenced by our subconscious minds. 
I don't mean our dream state when we're asleep, but we're constantly being influenced by, by whatever programming we have put into the subconscious mind. It simply hands it back to us. If we're inclined every time a financial matter comes up to feel nervous, then when financial matters come up, we'll feel nervous. If we've persuaded ourselves, as I have often persuaded myself, that I'm not very good with numbers, then every time I'm confronted with numbers, my subconscious mind will remind me that I'm not very good at them. It happens to be not a major issue in my life, but it's a comical issue. Because, for example, I'm recording these 15-minute programs. You would think 15 minutes is not a hard number to deal with, but I have to actually concentrate every time. When am I starting? When am I finishing? Because I just somehow, numbers. I'm not facile with numbers, but my mind believes I'm very good with words. So sometimes words just, every time I see words, I have no anxiety about meeting words. I'm completely happy to meet words because I believe that I can do them. But those are very small issues having to do with actual real affinities. We have much deeper ideas of failure and success and anxiety and whether we're lovable or not and all these different thoughts that we're always, every time we think something, it does not go away. The subconscious mind is another way of talking about the energy that's stored in the chakras, but subconscious works well enough in this context. So we can reprogram that subconscious because it is just, it is just a repository. This is where affirmations, positive thinking, um, helpful music, um, spiritual chanting, prayer, all of these things, when we begin to run these things through our system, they also store in the subconscious mind, just like everything else does. Worry, worry, worry is garbage in. Worry, 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 garbage out, worry out. Um, divine singing the divine songs that Paramahansa Yogananda wrote and said he spiritualized them and sang them until he felt the response of God and there's divine power in these words. We sing those chants, you know, with a harmonium or with a recording or just on our own. Yogananda went so far as to say that chanting, he said, is half the battle, the battle between delusion and enlightenment. And so half the battle is because music goes really deeply into the subconscious. The, they've had amazing um, experiences with people who are, seem to be highly advanced into Alzheimer's or you know, age-related dementia, but they will play the music of, of these people's uh, earlier life. And people who haven't spoken, even sometimes, this is so amazing, in years or even for a decade haven't spoken, will suddenly start singing the words. Because deep in their subconscious mind, there's the memory of this music. It was, they were programmed in with this music, and oftentimes the music is a happy memory. So some older person who's just been sitting in a more or less depressed state will suddenly become quite lighthearted and cheerful because they have pulled out of their subconscious mind because music is stored in a completely different place in our, uh, in our consciousness system. So when Master talked about chanting having a power that is so tremendous, it's because it programs, it reprograms us. And if you make a habit, for example... Of, of singing spiritual songs, so singing music, uh, whatever kind of spiritual music you love that has an uplifting message, and especially Yogananda's chant, Swami Kriyananda's 
songs, if this is the vibration you want to be attuned to, you will wake up hearing it. You will find in the middle of your day that it will come to you. You'll find yourself in a difficult situation and your subconscious mind will hand you the chant as a solution because it will sense that your energy is sinking and it will remember, oh, this will lift your energy. So what Swamiji is suggesting here is that we should use the time just as we wake up and, and just before the time just before we go to bed to, to use that particular receptivity so that, that all during the night that our subconscious mind will chew on these positive ideas because the purity of our thoughts uh, is so much more important than just the purity of our body. Of course, we should wash our body. It's very important that we do so. Most of us are uncomfortable, you know, if we become unclean and we want to make ourselves clean, but we wander around with all this corruption in our mind of worry and anxiety and anger and preoccupation with material things, and it never crosses our mind that maybe we should do something about it. Now, Swami uses the word impure desires and attachments. Now, of course, that word has a, a, a lot of connotations. And there's a, a, the, what they call the purity movement in the fundamentalist Christian world has to do entirely with virginity and sexuality and contact between the, um, the sexes and so on like that. And that's, that's not at all what we're talking about. We're certainly not talking about something that is so isolated as to the physicality of sexual contact. The meaning of pure and impure in the way that Swamiji is using it is more the way Jesus used it. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, I really don't know how the purity movement interprets that verse, but I don't think virginity until you're married gives you a vision of God. I think that's insufficient. What he's talking about is something far more subtle. And this is how Master and Swamiji explain it. Purity is our true nature. Let, let's think of it like this. If you have um, a piece of gold, if you have an ounce of gold, I have this, this ring that I wear. This is an astrologically assigned stone. It's an emerald, and there's a lot of gold in this ring because the stone is so big, I had to set it with a lot of gold. I could take this ring. I could take it off. I could bury it in the ground. It could sit in the ground for decades. I don't know. Perhaps it could sit in the ground for centuries. I really don't know how long. And then someday, somehow, somebody finds it. They dig in the mud, or maybe there's an earthquake and it comes spewing out, or who knows what might happen. Somebody pulls this ring out. They might not really know what they have at first. It might be covered with clay. It might even be sort of half grown over with God knows what. But if you remove all of that that has invaded this gold ring, the gold will be exactly as it was and the emerald will be exactly as it is. Because it has an enduring reality that is untouched by what invades it. Now, it's a perfect example, especially the gold. I presume it's also true for the emerald because gemstones last, you know, through, through so much time. I think it has the same power as the gold does. Now, it's an exact picture for us to understand who we really are. Each of us, we are manifested from Satchitananda. We are 
we, we are made of nothing but Satchitananda. Satchitananda, ever-existing, ever-conscious, ever-new bliss. It's the most perfect word for God. There is no equivalent in the English language. Satchitanandam. It's a synonym for what we call God, which in English actually only has meaning through the dogmas that you attach to it. We are manifested purely from the Spirit, and that is our true nature. We get confused, and we put onto ourselves anxiety, fear, ego involvement, ego attachment. We imagine ourselves to be separate. We imagine ourselves to have a gender, to have a culture, to have an ethnicity, to have all these separate, to have a chronological age. We imagine all these things. We imagine ourselves ill. We imagine ourselves to be worried, to be frail, to be angry. All of these things. It's exactly what happens to this gold if I put it into the ground. It gets so involved with this that it loses track of itself. And that's what exactly happens to us. We just lose track of ourselves and we load our subconscious. We, We program into our subconscious all these wrong thoughts. And we literally acted out for incarnations. But it doesn't matter how many incarnations we acted out, it, the gold is never affected. And that's what impure is. Impurities have invaded our divine nature and have invaded us to such an extent that we imagine that this is who I am. So an impure desire and attachment is not some sort of curse that God has put upon you. It's just a mistake on our part. It's something that we we long for that is outside of God's gift to us at this moment or is a desire to be something other than one with the Spirit. And so we, we want to take out of our heart these impure desires and attachments because they keep us from resting in contentment in our own true nature. So it's not always as if we can just do it so simply. You know, this is a process that Swamiji recommends to us every night before you go to sleep. Review your life and at least do our best. If we can't actually renounce it, at least put it back into God's hands. Everything that's been given to us is a gift from God. My children, my home, my talent, my financial well-being. Lord, it's all a gift from you. Rather than holding it as my own, I give it back to you. You take care of it for me. At least give me a break while I sleep, you know, so that I remember that it all belongs to you. The angry thoughts that I'm holding, the worry thoughts that I'm holding, I gather them all up. I give them back to you, Lord. If you make it a deep practice, as often as you wash your hands before you go to sleep, you clean your teeth, you clean your face, clean your heart, clean your mind, and you'll be amazed. Even a little practice, Krishna says, even a little practice of this inward religion will free you, he said, from dire fears and colossal sufferings. Practice, and you'll see his teaching is true. So, as you wash your body daily, so also before going to bed in the evening, cleanse your heart of all impure desires and attachments. Free your mind of wrong thoughts and offer yourself into the clear stream of divine bliss. May God bless you, my friends.
Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support ASHA, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.